0: Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We We're continuing our study of the Gospel of Luke. And of course, you remember that Luke presents Jesus as the Savior, the substitute, and the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Jesus indeed is the perfect Son of God. He is the perfect man who is able to redeem us and to give to us eternal life. We're seeing the early part of his ministry. Remember, he's in the northern part of Israel. He's around the Sea of Galilee and he's been showing his authority as the Messiah and the Savior. Now, why is he doing that? First of all, he's teaching. And when he teaches, he teaches with authority And they're all amazed And then He's been doing the miracles He's been healing And doing all kinds of different things Well this morning As we continue We're going to see two key things This morning One we're going to see The choosing of the twelve Now you remember There's all these people There are disciples all with Him Of those He's going to go up He's going to pray He's going to come And He's going to pick twelve men To be His apostles And we're going to talk about that And we're going to look at them Because you know Most of you If I said who are some of them You could all say Well Peter and James and John And maybe Andrew and, and Matthew And then doubting Thomas and that kind of, that's who we'd know. And, but we want to look at them today and get a little bit more detail about that. these twelve. And then we'll continue seeing this healing ministry. He gives the Sermon on the Mount. We start it because what he's going to do is come down off the mountain after choosing, coming down on the side of the mountain after choosing the twelve, and then he turns to this big crowd and he begins to teach. And that teaching is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. If you went to the Gospel of Matthew, that fills Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters in Matthew. In the Gospel of, of Luke, basically starting at verse 20, to the end of the chapter, through about verse 49, he puts the thing together. So he doesn't go into the same details, but there's a lot of the same things. We'll see it. May we begin, as we start this study, or we continue to study this morning, especially looking at the twelve, that we'll see them as real people. That they were set apart by God to serve our Savior. And then may we realize that, that we are also set apart by God to serve Him <clears throat> and to touch lives for Jesus Christ. So there's so much there. You know... <clears throat> On Sunday nights, we've been studying First Corinthians. We're in chapters 12, 13, and 14, which deals with spiritual gifts. We've been actually taking and going through each one of the spiritual gifts. There are 18 gifts left in the Scripture. We've been going through each one of them. One of the things we see in, the, in our study is that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. We all have gifts, talents, abilities given by God. Each one of us in this room, you're unique and you're special. And you can be and you will be used by God. Well, this morning, as we look at these 12 men chosen by Jesus Christ to be apostles, they're the early leaders of the church, they're, the, they're going to be the leaders of the church, which is the body of Christ, we're going to see that each one of those was unique and special and used by God. As we take a look at each one of these men, we want to know about them. In fact, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the, much of the Bible as we can. I'm, instead of turning to all kinds of places, I'm going to teach you some things from the Scripture about these people. But there's, there's some of them that there's even nothing in the Scripture So what we're going to do is we're going to go to everything we can, talk about everything we can from the Bible from these people, and then what we'll also do is think about church history and tradition and and so we can give you an idea of what these men were like. Our goal, of course, is to see that these men were real people, just like us, used by God, and that we should be encouraged that if God can use them, He can use us. We see that each one of them was unique, different backgrounds, different strengths, but used by God to fulfill His plan. And we want to be faithful to be used by God to fulfill His plan because we're different, unique, and special well, let's begin. Jesus is showing His authority. He's showing that He's the Messiah and Savior. What He's doing is He's teaching the Word of God. It's so amazing, because when He teaches, He doesn't just give them stories and things, He teaches the Scripture, and they are amazed. He's been showing His authority, oh, and, and what He's been doing is He's showing His authority over the diseases, over demons, over nature, even His ability to forgive sin. So it's powerful. This morning he goes up on top of the mountain to pray, and then when he comes down, he chooses 12 men to be his apostles, and he teaches them. Now, we're going to talk about it. There's the distinction between being a disciple and being an apostle, and we'll talk about that. They're famous, and in fact, they're famous, but as we come down this, this is a famous time, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to see the choosing of the 12 and His healing and teaching ministry. We're just going to get into this just barely and then we'll get into it in the next couple of weeks. Let me give you a brief review. Jesus is being confronted for the last couple of weeks, and we're going to see it all the way through the rest of the Gospel of Luke, that the religious leaders, they hate him. They're coming after him. They're confronting him on all kind of issues. Because, see, they realize that Jesus is teaching things contrary to them. In fact, he's teaching things that it matches the Bible, and it makes them look bad. They realize that if Jesus is right, they're wrong. So they're doing everything they can to trick him. They're coming up and they're asking questions. They're they're challenging him on things, because what they're hoping is somehow he will make a mistake. Or they'll say, well, you're wrong. Look what the Bible says. You said something else. And they're hoping to discredit his ministry. Bottom line, if they could do it, and they would love to do it, they would love to kill him. So that's their plan deep down. Now, we saw last time the real confrontation was over the Sabbath. You remember the Mosaic law, and Jesus lived his whole life under the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law said you shall work six days and rest on the seventh. You shall work six days, Sunday through Friday. You shall rest on the seventh day, which is Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath day. For the Jewish people, they were supposed to work and then rest. The Sabbath was a day of joy, a day of worship, a day of rest, a day to be enjoyed. But the legalism of the religious leaders had put all these rules, and so the Sabbath became a terrible day. They had all these rules. Well, when Jesus didn't follow their rules, not the Bible, but the man-made rules, they challenged him. And they said, you're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus said, no. In fact, we saw last week that he said that he is Lord of the Sabbath. And then he said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So that's what we saw last time, that confrontation. Right after that, he goes up on top of this hill and he prays. Notice look what happens. Look at uh, chapter 6, verse 12. It was at this time that he went off to a mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now, notice what it says. And it was at this time he went off to the mountain. It didn't say a mountain. It said the mountain. And if you would have asked these guys, all these followers of Christ, what is the mountain? They would say, okay, is that one right over there. See that long sloping hill going up northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. It was a long sloping hill later on that's where people called it they say that's the mountain on which jesus gave that big message the sermon on the mount so that's where he is he goes up on top of this mountain to pray And it said he spent the whole night in prayer. You know, it was Jesus' pattern. We've seen it already at least two times in the Gospel of Luke that it is his pattern that very early in the morning he'll get off by himself to pray. Or when things are going on, he will get off by himself to pray because he wanted to maintain his fellowship with his Heavenly Father. Now, this is a big thing fixing to happen. He's gone on top of the mountain to pray, and it says he spent the whole night in prayer to God. What's he doing? Well, he's about to choose the 12 men... They're going to be with him. And they're going to be with him in the rest of this ministry. And then some of them will be with, actually after he's gone, they will go and they will go on and, and be leaders of the church, which begins after his death and resurrection and all of those things. And and so he's about to choose these main people. Now we talked about it last week. Picture this. I mean, he comes from praying and he calls all these people together, all his disciples, and it's just this huge crowd. And he goes, Matthew, come here. Levi, Matthew, come here. Judas Thaddeus, come here. Simon, come here. John, James, Andrew, come here. I mean, you're in that crowd. What, what, he's pointing out people beside you, and they're leaving to go over there by him. What did he want with them? We're going to see. He's going to name them apostles. So it's pretty powerful. Notice verse 13. And when the day came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them whom he also named apostles. Now, you've got to understand the, the different terms. It is There's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. Now the word when we say a believer, a believer is somebody who has put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. It costs us nothing to be a believer. In fact, it's by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of worthless, lest anyone should boast. So being a believer, being a Christian, trusting in Jesus costs us nothing. It's a gift. Being a disciple is often a technical term. Sometimes, sometimes in the gospels, it just means a follower. When you get a little further over in the scripture, it always means someone who has decided to live for Christ. They're following him and they're living for him. So there's a difference between being a a believer, you trust Christ, cost you nothing, and being a disciple when you choose to offer your life as a living sacrifice and to live for Christ. So he's calling his disciples. Now, notice he named them apostles. Now, disciple means follower, or learner, where apostle means one sent forth with authority. He's going to take these 12 men and he's going to give them his authority. He's going to say, you're representing me. You go out in my power and my authority. That's what an apostle is. We see it later on when you see the apostles of the church. We talk about like Peter and James and John and Paul and those guys. They were all apostles. We'll talk more about it in a second. But apostle is one sent forth with authority. There were two aspects of this. First of all, While Jesus was on the earth, here's what they did. They would be with him. They traveled around with him. They would preach. He would sometimes send them out. And they would proclaim the gospel, the good news of of Jesus Christ. And they would go with his authority that they would go out and they had his authority. Did you know that the apostles sometimes would go and they, would, they had power over the demons and they healed people? One time they he sent them out they came back and they were all excited and they said to Jesus, this is amazing, even the demons obey us. And Jesus said, that's really great, but the most important thing is your name is written in the book of life. That's what he said. So when they were with him, or when Jesus was on the earth, they were with him, they preached with him, they went with his authority. Now, second thing is that when Jesus was gone, after he's died, rose again, sent into the heaven, they're going to be the authority. When Peter said, I'm an apostle, when John said, I'm an apostle, when Paul later, who later came, said, I'm an apostle, when he would write a letter and say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that didn't just mean I got some title. That meant I'm speaking with the same authority as if it were Jesus Christ himself. So they went out with the authority. They were the authority. Second, they were the foundation. Ephesians 2 tells us that the apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church. And the third thing is they got new revelation. The New Testament came through these people. Paul wrote 13 letters of it. Peter wrote two. John wrote five. I mean, these apostles were given new revelation from God, which became what we'd call the New Testament. So these are special people chosen. Now, we're going to look at them. And you remember the last one? I'll just give you a little... Hint on this thing Remember the last one His name was Judas Iscariot And he was called a traitor Did you know That he was not a believer And that he was sent out With the same authority As the others We'll talk about it when we get to his name here in just a minute. Now, as we look at these, we're going we're to look best we can at the Scripture. I'm just going to, without turning to all the places, I'm going to tell you what we know from the Scripture. And then I'll give you some traditions, the best that we can know from church history and traditions about these people. Because when you study it, you say, oh, I know all about Peter, and I know all about John, and I know about Matthew, Levi, and I know... But, but what about... Judas, the son of James, or James, the son of Alphaeus, or how about Simon, the zealot? Or how about this man named Philip or Bartholomew? What do you know about those people? You don't know very much because there's not very much about them. Well, let's see what we can find out about the twelve. Notice it says, And when the day came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also named apostles. And he starts with the first one. His name is Simon. So there he is. We call him Simon Peter. Because notice what it says. Simon, whom he also named Peter. Now, Simon, Je- when, Je- when Jesus, when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, Simon, you are Simon, but I'm going to call you Petras, Peter, Rocky, he calls him the rock. He calls him Rocky. Now, at this stage of Peter's life, he's anything but the rock, okay? But what Jesus does is he sees people, and he knows exactly what we be, can become. And he knows what Peter's going to be. And so when he saw Simon Peter, he said, Simon, you're going to be called Rocky, the rock. And you know what? He became a rock later on. It's powerful. Jesus sees what we can become. See, you're in a process. You you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, and you're growing to be more and more like Jesus Christ, and He knows what you're going to do. For him. When you think of Peter, he is he is the most one of the most famous of all the apostles. He had a brother named Andrew. Andrew is the one who brought him to Jesus. He was really the leader of the twelve. He's the spokesman. He always took the lead. Now not all he didn't always do the right thing, but if you if you were gonna have somebody raising their hand, it's gonna be Peter. If you're gonna have somebody talking, it's gonna be Peter. He's the guy that's got that leadership and he's just gonna step out front. Sometimes he spoke too soon, but he was always the leader. Listen to this. At the beginning of the church, on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who stood forward and taught the truths about Jesus Christ and said that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin. He looked out at the Jews and said, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. I mean, he did that. And incredible. And that day, 3,000 people trusted Jesus Christ. That's Peter. Peter and Paul, Paul who came later, an apostle who came later, are the two most influential leaders in the early church. Peter was sent to the Jews and Paul was sent to the Gentiles. In the first part of the church, Peter is the leader. He was the man who had some ups and some downs. I mean, one minute he'd say the right thing, the next minute he'd say the wrong thing. You remember Jesus called the guys together and he said, Listen, um, who do the people say that I am? And they said, well, some people think you're like John the Baptist, and, and some people think you're one of, the, one, of the, you know, one of the prophets, and some people think you're this or Elijah or something. And then he looked at them and said, but who do you say that I am? And before anybody could say anything, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, good answer. That's the answer. That's exactly who I am. Now, he could say the right thing. And let me tell you, the very next minute, in the same passage, right after Jesus said, Good answer, Peter. Then Jesus said, Let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem when we hand it over to the Gentiles. They're going to put me to death. I'm going to be crucified, and then I'll rise again. And you know what Peter said? We're not going to let that happen to you. And you know what Jesus said to him? He said, Get behind me, Satan. He just called Peter Satan. He's going to say, bad answer, Peter, bad answer. You got a good answer, you got a bad answer. That's Peter. You can know, think about it. Peter's the guy that sat up on the day of Pentecost and said all the right things, looked out at those Jewish people and said, you crucified Christ. Forty days earlier, what did he do? He said, I don't even know the man. See, he's like us sometimes. We say, I want to do good. I mean, you know, I want to do good, but then we fail. And you know, toward the end, after Jesus died and rose again, then he comes back and Peter's fishing and they all meet on the shore and, and Jesus gets Peter over and they're looking around and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he's talking about fishing and doing all this. And Peter said, oh, you, you, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he says it to him three times Why? Because he denied Jesus three times. He wanted Peter to say, look, it doesn't matter what you said, that's past, feed my sheep. Failure is not the end. Every one of us in this room have failed or we will fail. That's not the end. You take right where you are, you confess your sin, you forsake it, and you go on. What can we learn from Peter? Here's what we learn. Be sold out for Christ. Live for Him. Go full speed. God can use you to do things beyond what you could ever imagine. So just say to God, God, I want want to be like a Peter. I just want want to grow. I want to serve. I want to live for you. And you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. Go full speed. Live for our Savior. Tradition says that Peter went to Rome, and around 66, 67 A.D., under Nero, he was killed. About the same time as Paul. The tradition says that he was crucified upside down. When they got ready to kill him, they were going to crucify him. He said, crucify me upside down. I don't deserve to be crucified in the way that my Savior was crucified. That's tradition. We don't know. That's Peter. Let's look at the second one. Andrew. Andrew. Now, Andrew's Peter's brother. Together, they were fishermen with James and John. They were from Bethsaida. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. Andrew hung around with John the Baptist. He had heard John say, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, the Messiah's coming. And so Andrew believed all that. And one day, when he was with John, Jesus walked by, and John said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew followed him. And Andrew started talking with him. And then Andrew turned around and went and got his brother, Peter. He was always bringing people to Jesus. That's what he did. He brought his brother to Jesus. Do you remember the time that they were looking for food when they were going to feed the 5,000? It was Andrew who said, I got this little boy here. He's got five loaves, two fish. It was Andrew always bringing people to Christ. When the Gentiles came to see Jesus toward late at the end of the ministry, and they said, we want to see Jesus, it was Andrew that they came to there's not much known about Andrew. Tradition says that he went to a place called Scythia, which was between the Black and Caspian Seas. And the tradition is that he died in Greece. That's tradition. We don't know. What can we learn from Andrew? And that is this. As we see Jesus as the Lamb of God, let's be bringing people to Jesus. See, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's be bringing people to Jesus. Because that's what Peter was, uh, uh, Andrew was famous for. Always bringing people to Jesus. Jesus. Wow. Here's the third one. And it's James. And we say, oh, we know James, James and John. They go together. They were brothers. They were fishermen with Peter and Andrew. You know what the nickname was? His nickname was Boanges, which means son of thunder. He had a temper. He did. He had a temper. You don't say James. He had a temper. Son of thunder. One time, Jesus and the disciples are going and they're about to go through Samaria. They were going to go through this town. And when the Samaritans found out that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, since the Samaritans don't like the Jews and the Jews didn't like the Samaritans, they wouldn't let him go through the town. So James said to Jesus, just pour down fire and burn them all up. That's what he said. Jesus said, bad answer, James. Bad answer. That's not what we want to do. But that's why he was. He had that temper, see, and that's why he's called Boranges. His mother came, took Jesus one time and said, I've got two good Jewish boys, James and John. I would like when you come in the kingdom that one be on the right and one be on the left. In Acts 12, verses 1 and 2, we see his death. He's the first of the disciples, first of the apostles, to be martyred. Under King Herod Agrippa I, he brought him in, put him in prison, cut his head off. Right after that, he arrested Peter, and he was going to kill Peter, but God let him out, and Peter went on to do more. What can we learn from James? It is this. Live for Christ now. We don't know how long we have on this earth. No way to know. He's the first one to die. He didn't have a long ministry. So you never know how long you're going to get to be here. So right now, decide to live for Christ. Offer your life and say, Lord, I want my life to count for you. Let's get the fourth one. The fourth one is John. And, of course, everybody knows John. We say, that's John. That's the the guy. He wrote five books in the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. He was the youngest of all the apostles, and he lived the longest. He was very close to Jesus. In fact, if you said, here's the crowd, and then Jesus got it down to about 70, and then he had it down to 12, and then of the 12 he had three, and of the three he had one, and that one was John. In fact, in the Gospel of John, John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was in the inner circle with Peter, James, and John. That's the inner circle that went with Jesus. The only three that got to go in where he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. The only three that got to go on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus showed himself as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords with Moses and Elijah. And the only three that when they got to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Peter, James, John, I want you to come with me. And he went to a separate section where they prayed. He was known for his love. Tradition tells us, and the writers of the first century tell us, that when he was very, very old and he would go to church, he couldn't walk, so they'd have to carry him in. And as they carried him in, it was tradition saying that he would look at everyone and say, love one another, love one another. He was exiled to the island of Patmos, which is, which is a little island off the coast of what is modern-day Turkey. And uh, the Romans hated him, so they thought if they just put him out there by himself, he, you know, he wouldn't bother anybody. He wouldn't be able to do anything. But that's where on the Lord's Day he got revelation from God, which became the book of revelation. So you can't stop God's word no matter where you put people. Tradition states that he died around 95 to 100 A.D. He was the last of the apostles, wrote the last of the revelation. What can we learn from John? Well, here's what we can learn. Be faithful to the end and love one another be faithful to thee and he lived the longest of all of them and he was known as the apostle of love that's because if you read first john second john third john even the gospel of john it's it's about love and he has that in there well we've got peter and andrew james and john they're the famous ones then we got another guy his name is philip and you say philip what do we know about philip well very little is known about philip he came from bethsaida After Andrew joined Jesus, remember when Andrew met Jesus, when John the Baptist said, Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, Andrew followed. Well, right after that, Jesus came by and he saw Philip, and he looked at Philip, and Philip started following Jesus then. He went and found a friend named Nathaniel, who is also called Bartholomew, and he brought him to Jesus. He went to Nathaniel and said, We found the one that Moses wrote of, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. In the upper room in that last night, Philip is the one that turned to Jesus and they were talking and Jesus was teaching about the Father and Philip looked at Jesus and said, "Uh, show us the Father. And Jesus looked at Philip and said, Philip, I've been with you so long and you say, show us the Father. If you've seen me, you have what? Seen the Father. It was Philip who asked that question. I bet Philip went, I shouldn't have asked that question. You know, boy. Tradition says he went to Asia Minor, died at a place called Heropolis. What can we learn From Philip and it is this. We can tell others we found the Messiah and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can do it. You go out these doors and you can tell anybody you come in contact with about the Savior. The next one is Bartholomew. We'll go quickly, going fast as we can. Bartholomew was a friend of Philip. He's also called Nathaniel. When Philip went to him and said, we have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, Bartholomew is the one who said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He's the guy. Jesus saw him. He came walking up and Jesus said, you're a man with no guile, which means you're an honest man. And Jesus said that right to him. And you know what he said? He said, how do you know me? How did you know that? And Jesus said, I saw you. Before you came here, when you were under the fig tree. Now, all of a sudden, Bartholomew realized, how did he know that? He must be God. And so immediately, Bartholomew then said, You are Rabbi, the Son of God, the King of Israel. He called Jesus the great teacher. He called him the living God. He called him the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what he did. Now, tradition says he went to India, but nobody knows. But what can we learn from Bartholomew? What can we learn? That we see Jesus as the teacher, the son of God, and the king of kings. That's how we should see him. Jesus is the teacher, the great teacher. Teach God's word. We see him as the son of God, the savior, and we see him as the king of kings and the lord of lords who will rule this world. Well, from Bartholomew, we then go to Matthew. There, Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, everybody said, oh, we know Matthew, Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's that guy named Levi. We saw him already in the Gospel of Luke. He was sitting at the at the tax table. He was a tax collector, and Jesus came by and said, follow me. He gets up and follows Jesus. Because of his occupation, he was a social outcast. The very first thing he did is he had a big reception for Jesus at his house. He was a rich man, had a big reception, and he brought in all his friends, and all of his friends, of course, were tax collectors and sinners. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew, which presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. See, he wanted people to know that Jesus is not only king of the Jews, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to rule the whole world. That's Matthew, Levi. Now, tradition tells us that he went to India, went on east to India, and was martyred there. But that's we don't know. What can we learn from Matthew? It is this. Let's be bringing our friends to Jesus so they can know the Savior and King. Because the very first thing he did is he invited all of his friends. He said, I know Jesus. I want you guys to know Jesus. We need to be making sure people know Our Savior. Well, look who's next. Verse 15 15 says, Matthew and Thomas. Thomas. Well, the first thing you say is when you hear Thomas is what? Doubting Thomas. Everybody says, Doubting Thomas. Poor thing. I mean, how would you like to go the rest of your life as Doubting Thomas? Well, what happened? After the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus appeared to the disciples. All of them were there except Thomas. And he appeared to them. And then after Jesus left, Thomas came in. And they said, We saw him. He was right here. And Thomas said, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Unless... Unless I can touch his side, unless I can, you know, touch the, I, I can't, I, I just can't believe that. Eight days later, Jesus appeared in the midst of all of them. There he was. And he looked over at Thomas and said, touch my side, touch my hand, give me something to eat. I want you to show, I want to show you I'm real. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Wow. See, sometimes we doubt things. Sometimes we doubt. He was actually a strong believer because when they went to go raise Lazarus from the dead, they didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but they knew they would face religious leaders who would be out to kill them. And as they got ready to go, Thomas turned to the rest of them and said, let's go that we may die with Jesus. Tradition says that he went to India. In fact, there's a group in India even now that call themselves the Christians of St. Thomas. Tradition says he was martyred around the year 72. What can we learn about Thomas or from Thomas? And that is this. Sometimes we doubt, but we can still stand strong trusting God's word. There are going to be times in your life that you go, is that really real? What's happening? Is God really in control? Is he taking care of me? Why is this kind of thing happening? Sometimes you may doubt, but go back to the word of God. It's alive and powerful. Trust God. The next one is James, the son of Alphaeus. Notice, son of Alphaeus. There's not a whole lot concerning him. Many believe that he's the brother of Levi Matthew because Matthew is also called the son of Alphaeus. In other places, he's called James the less. Many think that's because he's not very tall. I don't think that's why they called him James the less. Uh, actually, they also said that they could be called him James the less because he was younger than the other James. We don't know. Some people have confused him with the half-brother of Jesus Christ who wrote the book of James. No, they're two different people because the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him until after the resurrection. There is very little about him. All that we have on tradition that he was beaten to death as he stood for Christ. That's all we know. What well, can we learn from James? We can learn that we don't have to be famous to know and serve God. Because all of us in this room, very few of us are going to be famous. But we can serve God. The Savior. Let me go quickly. Here's one called Simon the Zealot. That's the next guy. Simon the Zealot. Another place is called Ka- Simon the uh, Canaanite. Zealots were a group of people that hated the Romans and hated anybody that were with the Romans. They were a sect. They were very radical. They hated and killed. They had these little swords called sacri. They were very short little swords. They would tape them to the inside of their arms like this. They would get into crowds, and if they saw a Roman or a Jewish person who worked with the Romans, they would pull out those little knives. They would stab people and then slip away. They were radicals. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, were, they led a rebellion. They led a Jewish rebellion in 66 A.D. They were crushed by the Romans. They led the rebellion in 70 when Jerusalem was crushed and destroyed. And they, they were killed in Masada in 72 A.D. So that's who they are. Now, this is one of the people Jesus chose. Now, think about this. Levi Matthew worked for who? Roman government. Simon the Zealot would naturally hate him. They would be natural enemies, but God brings them together. And that's what God does. He brings people together. What can we learn from Simon the Zealot? It is this. Be zealous for Jesus Christ. Stand for Him. Be on fire. Make Him known to our community. Well, there's two more, and we'll go very quickly. Verse 16, Judas, the son of James. Now, there's not much about this man. He's also called Judas Thaddeus. And I think the reason is, is because he and Judas had the same name. Judas Iscariot and Judas. And I think he started going by Judas Thaddeus because after what happened in the betrayal, nobody wanted to be called Judas And so I think that's why you'll find in other places he's called Thaddeus. He asked a question to Jesus at the Last Supper, at that meeting. He turned to Jesus and said, Why are you revealing yourself to us and not others also? And he said to them, Those who love me, I will continue to reveal myself to them. Tradition is he went to Mesopotamia and that he was martyred in Persia. That's all we know. Here's the last one. Judas Iscariot. Now, Iscariot's not his last name. Iscariot mean, it comes from two Hebrew words, ish karat, which ish means man. Kirat is a town. Judas was a man from Kirat, a town. He is famous for being the betrayer. He is most likely, in fact, he is the only apostle, best we can tell, who is not from northern Israel. There are several things about him we learn. He was trusted by the other disciples. Now, you naturally assume that the night Jesus was at the table and he said, one of you will betray me, that every woman will go to Judas and go, I believe that's the one. Not one of them did that. In fact, every one of them said, it's not me, is it? They didn't think that. They gave him the money. He handled the money for them. Gospel of John says he stole the money out of the money bag. He was given authority by Jesus to heal and have power over demons, but he was not a believer. He is called the son of perdition, In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, I have kept all you have given me except the one who was destined for the fall. That's Judas. Judas never was a believer. And he was with Jesus Christ. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. For a little amount of money, he betrayed Jesus. He regretted it later and hanged himself. In history, the name Judas, it means betrayer. What can we learn from from Judas? It is this. Jesus can use anyone or anything to accomplish this plan, believers or unbelievers. These are the twelve. Unique, special, strengths, weaknesses, none famous or trained when they were used by Christ, but they... Turn the whole world upside down We can do the same thing We're special, unique, gifted We have strengths, weaknesses We're able to be used by God So what are your gifts, talents, abilities? How can God use you for His glory? Let me give you the last part here He comes down off of the hill He's chosen these twelve Came down with them And He stood on a level place He's still on the side of the mountain But it's a level place There was this large crowd of disciples A great throng of people From Judea, Jerusalem Coastal region of Tyre and Sidon There are both Jews and Gentiles Everybody's gathered around He's about to teach them. We call this the Sermon on the Mount. Notice what happened. They all came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. He came and and, and showed his power in a couple of ways. He showed his authority, the authority to teach, and the power to heal. And in the next week and the week after that, it's going to take us a little bit to go through the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching. Notice verse 19. And all people were trying to touch him. Why? For power was coming from him. And healing them all. It's going to be an amazing message that he gives to these people. What have we seen? Jesus chooses the twelve. Have a brief review of their lives. Jesus continues to teach and heal. And it's a great ministry because all these people are coming. Let me quickly give you the, the applications. Let's be ambassadors for Christ. Now, we are not apostles. Apostles were sent forth with authority in the early church. That was before the scripture was written. They actually wrote the scripture. We are not the authority. We go with authority. The authority is the word of God. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech. So we get to tell people the truth of Jesus Christ. So let's go do it. A, let's be faithful. As the apostles were faithful, and many of them unto death. Let's be faithful. Jesus is not asking us to die for him. He's asking us to live for him. So let's live for him now. Let's do what they did. Here's some things. Let's proclaim that he's Savior and King. Let's love others go ahead and show the next one let's if we fail as uh, Peter did keep on going God will use be zealous for Jesus Christ let's stand strong in unity with other believers that's what we have to do we want to be like them God can use anybody a believer or an unbeliever to accomplish his plan he has a whole room full of believers let's be used second be. Realize each one of us is different and unique. Just like you look at these 12 and we say this guy was this way and this guy was this way. They all had different gifts, talents, and abilities. We have the same thing. We want to be used by God. So whatever gifts, talents, and abilities you have, be used for the glory of God. As ambassadors for Christ, may we be faithful to use our gifts and talents and abilities as we are bringing others to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, that we got an opportunity to look at these 12 men. And we realized that they were apostles. They were sent forth with authority. We get to be ambassadors. We come out with the authority of the Word of God. Lord, we want to be faithful in the same way that they were faithful. We just want to be faithful. We want to be used by you. We want to tell people about Jesus Christ. We want to stand strong. We want to keep going even if we fail. We want to love one another. We want to have unity as we stand for our Savior. We want to be bringing people to Jesus. Lord, we recognize that each one of us in this room are different and unique with different gifts, talents, and abilities. May we be used by you to bring glory to Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.